Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time. It is time for the world-renowned Dr. History. They listen to him in, I don't know, 37 countries, including ours. Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. My friend. Yes, a little chilly out there this morning. Wait a minute. Define little. 24 degrees. That's more than a little. (laughs) It's darn right cold. Darn right. It is, yes. So... The Schnitzel Fluster has written to me. <laughs> you know what? I'm always afraid to say that. <laughs> I, I know. I, I'm very careful. But he sent. He's over in Germany. Yeah. And they don't. They don't celebrate Thanksgiving. But he sent me some pictures of some cookies that he and his family made. Uh-oh. Oh, are man. they there? I don't have a picture. You with didn't me. brain the picture. I, well, it's on my computer. But oh, they look good. Hey, Schnitzel Fluster, listen to me. What town is he in? I don't know. Somewhere in Germany. All right. Send the cookies live and direct. No more pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they look good. But uh, uh, another important event, my manuscript is now at the printer. Now, you said that last week. Well, now it really is. (laughs) (laughs) My editor keeps coming up with these little tiny details that we want to make sure is right. Oh, okay. So now it really is at the printer. It's honestly. It's. In the door. It is there. I sent, behind closed doors. I sent it yesterday. Okay. So yeah, the title is Coal Miner to Cowboy, there and you go. it's a historic. We're trying to be really historically accurate. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm not a his, history professional. I'm a history hobbyist. You know that. Yeah. So we try to be as accurate as we can on the show here, as well as in my book. So yeah, and ninety nine point nine percent of the time we've hit a home run. We do. And once in a while, there may be... One little divot. Yeah. And usually people will send me an email saying, uh, yeah. by the way... Yeah. Yeah. So... It is at the... Printer. printer. Back in uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, right now. Really? Yeah. So today we're going to talk about a place called the Buffalo Creek in the Targhee National Forest. It's now called Buffalo River. And it's actually a place where there's a lot of treasure buried up in there. And supposedly even a rich lost ledge of gold, uh, along with some outlaw loot and stuff that's up in that area. So, And there seems to be some pretty good stories that are factual about buried treasure. So, folks, to give you an idea where this is at, if you head north out of Idaho Falls, you go up uh, to what we call the Island Park area, and 40 miles north of that is Henry's Lake, off to the west, and then if you keep going up over the Continental Divide, you'll be at West Yellowstone. Okay. So we're at kind of mid-eastern Idaho uh, close to Yellowstone. Okay, gotcha. So that's where all this takes all right. place. And the Dutton family will pick you up and take you to their ranch. Oh, really? That's yeah. the TV show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I always think you're serious, Zeb. <laughs> I should know. All right, so here we go, folks. So Henry's Lake, We, me and my family have gone up there for years fishing and up to Island Park right. and Henry's Lake, and now there's uh, Max Inn, Ponds Lodge, a uh, beautiful area. But uh, as you come up over the hill and look over that valley, thousands of acres of forest. I mean, you could yeah. get lost in there oh, per- yeah. pretty easy, and you'll see as we go along here. But from the establishment of Fort Hall back in 1834, the Native Americans 
told the white men that there were streams that were filled with yellow metal, kind of trying to entice them to go into that area, uh, maybe for whatever reason, but uh, saying that there was gold in the streams. But uh, when pursued by uh, vigilantes or uh, the law, state chokes robbers and outlaws would head for the unknown into this big forest, and they would bury their loot uh, usually under uh, kind of desperate circumstances, and all of them came to a bad end. Oh, really? And we're going to talk about the bad ends mm. that they came to. So we go to July 1863, and there's a gang of seven bandits led by a guy uh, who's notorious. His name was Jim Lockett, and I hate to admit, but I'd never heard of this guy. Anyway, they held up a stagecoach that was uh, headed for Salt Lake from Virginia City, Montana. Oh you ever been up there my. to Virginia City? I have. That's uh, the ghost town. Virginia that's a, City. That's a pretty long haul. Yeah, it is. From clear up there, clear to Salt Lake. And not the best of roads, I'm no. sure. But anyway, they held up the stage. They, uh, in, they got down as far as the Portland Canyon. Uh, two passengers and the guard were killed, and a shipment of gold amounting to about 65000 was taken. Wow. Uh, they also robbed the passengers, which were carrying about 50000 So now we're up to 150000 They have passengers carrying, <laughs> carrying $50,000? Yeah. So really 115000 So the bandits, they set off north out of, uh, out of the uh, Port of Canyon area. And, well, within minutes, the stagecoach driver cut out a horse from the team and set off heading for the next stage station. And he'd only ridden a couple of miles when he came to a long train of freighters. And they were passing through this outlaw-infested canyon towards uh, – they traveled together for assistance and for protection. Well, what they did is they placed a guard over their wagons. The freighters formed a posse and went after the bandits. Uh-huh. Now, I thought that was interesting that they would actually yeah. leave their wagons and head yeah. after these bandits. But they caught up with them in a night camp where they were camped. And after a brief fight, the bandits escaped and they headed east. Now, remember, Zeb, they're up in that island park area. I mean, you can get lost. You can't see, you know, you get down in that forest. Yeah. So, anyway, they caught up with them, uh, like say, and after a little fight, some of them escaped. Uh, they headed over to what they call Henry's Fort. And believing that they were still being pursued, the gang turned off into this Buffalo Creek, which is now called Buffalo River. Now, I'm not sure where that is. Okay. Uh, it's the headwaters. Uh, there's a place called Big Springs up in there. And there's a, play, a there's a little cabin up there called Johnny Sack's Cabin. He's a little short guy, and there's a cabin you can visit up there. If you go up there, folks, you've got to go visit Johnny Sack's Cabin. Okay. So this river comes down and hooks in with the, the water coming out of Island Park Reservoir, oh. which eventually hooks into the Snake River. I see. Okay. So anyway, um, uh, they had ridden hard. Their horses were pretty well given give it out. Uh, so they were forced to hold up. And while preparing to make a desperate stand, the loot was buried along this creek, this Buffalo Creek or Buffalo River. That same night, three of the gang couldn't stand the pressure. They abandoned their worn out horses and they took off on foot into that- the country. That kind of solidifies the fact that they weren't they real were bright. Smart, no. So we keep going. The remaining four got into a fight uh, about whether or not they should bury the loot or what they should do. So this outlaw, Jim Lockett, ended the argument by killing two of the guys. Killing, oh, okay. killing two of the decisions. That narrowed the decision. Yeah, so now you're down to him and one guy. 
So they left their, their stock, their horses were give out, and they tried to walk to Henry's Fork where they headed south. Well, the gang had dispensed. Each was soon traced down and hanged. Uh-oh. You see, Did they catch the guys that y- left? Yeah. Oh. They, got, they got all of them. So the bandits had uh, their victims, some of these guys from Virginia City, they had been important men in Virginia City. So the Virginia uh, uh, posse and, and one thing or another, they raised up a bunch of money to catch these guys. I see. So cause they didn't like them killing their, now, their good friends. Dumb question, though. Seriously, uh, think about it. When they, the bad guys, split. Right. And how many left? Well, there was only two left. Uh, yeah, I know. Two got killed. Yeah. Well, but, five. Yeah, but three there were some that had left, foot. right, on foot. Yeah. How did they catch them? How did they find them? I don't know. But they were on foot, so I guess they well, they would have been on horseback, so they could ride a lot faster. And it was rough country, rough timber, you know. So, anyway, every morning, uh, well, like say, the, the, they buried the loot, all right. So it was uh, looked for uh, over for several decades before an elderly man found some of it in 1932. Really? He stayed at Pond's Resort. We now call that Pond's Lodge yeah. on Buffalo Creek. And he drove an old beat-up car, but he was dressed kind of neat, kind of like a well-to-do gentleman. Like you do Like I do, time. and you and me. Yeah, you know, very sophisticated. So very sophisticated. Yeah. So here's what he did. Every morning, he went in his car over these rocky roads. Remember, they, it was rough. Oh, Dad. And he went up this Buffalo Creek. Uh, other fishermen saw him casually casting for trout. The old man carried a golf bag that contained what appeared to be other fishing rods sticking out of the top of this golf bag. And he just said, well, the bag made it easier to carry my favorite fishing rods, and he liked to use it in the course of a day. All right. So it's fishy, right? While, it smells a yeah, little bit. When believing himself to be alone, he would fade off into the timber, searching around with an aid of a map, and on several occasions he was being watched. But the other fishermen just thought this guy was a little wacky. Mm-hmm. They, you know, Again, kind of like you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, when he thought he was alone, uh, uh, there was a resort employee that accidentally discovered that the old man carried a crude metal detector no. in the golf bag. Now, back then, it had to be a pretty crude metal detector, yeah. right? Well, one afternoon, he returned to the resort, he paid his bill, and departed hurriedly despite approaching night. And in those days, the roads were rough. Nevertheless, he, the old guy kept the car floorboarded. He wanted to get out of there. Well, on researching, or on reaching a little town, he unexpectedly ran into a friend of his named Joe Stewart. Well, Stewart was an old recluse, but he probably knew more about buried, buried treasure and lost gold in Targhee than anybody living. Really? So, anyway, they got together. Uh, Stewart heard the story of the old man's find. And he actually saw some of the gold. The guy showed him some of the gold. So the old guy kind of confided in it. Right, and showed it to him. So here's what uh, Joe said. He said, I gathered from what he did say that after the outlaws got into the buffalo, they split the loot. Each one hid his own share and not too far from the others. This feller had a map one of the gang drew before he was hanged on the Snake River a couple of months later. So how did he get that map? That's a good question. That's why I asked. That's why I would wonder that. I don't know. So, so unless that, unless 
the old man was one of the one of the gang gang or not one of the gang but one of the people that hung the bad guys or or uh, the son of somebody this is going knows. to call for an investigation yeah, yeah so that's the end of that story Okay. All right. Now, another case in 1864, a packer with a contract to transport gold from Montana to Salt Lake. He hired a young guy to help him out. And so he had a string of mules and he had the young guy head out thinking, OK, I'll catch up with you in a couple of days. So you just keep going. Well, the young guy got as far as Dubois, Idaho, which is on the eastern side of of Idaho, folks. So the ore was in sacks weighing about 100 pounds each, and he'd pack two of them per mule. Now, it was quite a chore loading and unloading these heavy sacks, and this guy figured he wasn't getting paid enough. And he was all by himself. Yeah. You would think there'd be more robbery. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, he figured he was entitled to a little more money than he was being paid. Uh So what he did, he buried four of the sacks, and then he just kept it going. Well, his employer overtook him just before they got to Fort Hall, and he listened to the guy's story who said the mules were cranky. They'd run away and scattered the sacks, the contents of the sacks, and the ore was valued at $2,000 per sack. Mm. Well, the packer had the youth arrested there at Fort Hall. I see. But there wasn't enough evidence to convict him, so they let him go. So the packer arranged for the young man to be followed. And sure enough, the young kid left in the middle of the night with some food, equipment, and three mules. And here's where he made a mistake. They were stolen from a freight outfit. So he stole three mules. He was in trouble. He was. Well, the men from Fort Hall tracked him to where he uh, the the sacked ore had been retrieved and carried. So he unburied the treasure, loaded it up, and headed out. And so... uh, what happened was he came to kind of a bad end on Buffalo Creek, not far upstream from where the uh, highway crosses at Island Park Village. So just up the river from there. Well, in his ignorance and anxiety to escape, uh, he had pushed the mules too hard through this rough, rough country. One mule had already been abandoned when he went into camp, aware that the animals could not be pushed any farther. Uh, not one was shod, and they were down to hobbling stage. Oh, my. Uh, deciding that he might be able to continue running by mounting the strongest one, uh, he set about burying the ore. So he buried everything once again. Okay, so he was sitting rest, resting uh, in camp when the Fort Hall posse came down. At first, he denied having the gold, but was told they would hang him anyway because he'd stolen the mules. Really? So they were going to hang him anyway. Wow. So in his pleading, he admitted taking the sacks and said that he had buried them in pairs. Neither hole was very deep due to the stony ground. And I've camped up there a lot. And it is, you know, if you were trying to dig a hole up there, it's rough, rough, yeah. rocky, hard yeah. ground. Well, he said he got about that far. The posse listened to what he was saying. Uh, and they thought maybe he would tell them where the sacks were buried. When he quit talking, he just he just clammed up, and for some reason, uh, maybe he was just scared. Uh, he either couldn't or refused to talk any longer. Really, several hoistings to a tree limb produced no more information. He wouldn't talk. He wouldn't talk at even all. to try to save his life. Yeah, he's he's being lifted up and down, you know, by his neck, by his neck with a rope around his neck. Uh, Finally, disgusted and wanting to return to Fort Hall as soon as possible, the posse lifted him clear of the ground and left him swinging there. 
Wow, and nobody knew where Nobody the... knew. Well, wow. many years later. Oh, here we go. <laughs> when the Island Park Reservoir Dam was put in, an old-timer worked for a contractor who was familiar with the story. Walking up Buffalo Creek, one Sunday, the contractor had come onto the whitened, scattered bones of a man. Nearby were fragments of rotted leather from a man's belt and strands of a rope under a tree. Sounds pretty familiar. Mm-hmm. So alerted to the possibilities, he quit his job. He started digging around, finding two of the sacks in one He found hole. some of it? He pulled out for Pocatello. When the gold was sold, he had a stake of just about $4,000 and said goodbye to those parts. Oh, my. So, so that's really interesting that he could find right, yeah, some of that. Yeah. But and, still, some is out there buried. And there's still, it's still out there buried. Why are we sitting here? We always say that, Zeb, but we never do anything about it. <laughs> we never go anywhere. We, there's so many of this stuff buried out there. And, you know, when you think about it, though, you said they were leaving from Virginia City. Montana. And going to Salt Lake City. Right. Okay. How many miles is that, roughly? Probably seven hundred. Uh, maybe not that far, but at least 500, I'm going to Okay, guess. and uh, it would take roughly how long? Well, if you managed, what, 25, 30, well, with mules, you could maybe go 30, 40 miles Well, a you day, said there were freighters 30. that were oh, pulling freight wagons, yeah, too, Yeah, they right? could only go like 25 to 30 miles oh, my. a day. Oh, my. So it, it was a long haul. And you wouldn't want to get really too far off the road. No. And so there might be a lot more hidden and or buried than people have knowledge of. Oh, yeah. Well, and I've got, actually, I've got more stories about buried treasure up in that area. Uh, there was a shipment of $150,000 in gold bars that was uh, uh, robbed up there and buried. And uh, we don't have time for that story, but, uh, you know, there was a posse that went after the guys that stole it, and supposedly they buried some of it. And anyway, like I say, I've got quite a long article about other stories that are buried up in that island. On your stories that you talk about, excuse me, uh, it always uh, struck me as odd that they, the guys that were in pursuit of the bad guys, they were not at all inhibited about hanging somebody. <laughs> no, I mean Holy that, was the, that was the rule of the law. Uh, you know, the rule of the range. I mean, there just the wasn't West. really a awareness of life, was there? Well, I've told the story before. Up uh, towards the Shoshone area, uh, there was a guy that got caught. I think stealing a horse or something, and they were going to hang him. Yeah. But they didn't. There were no trees, and so they pulled two wagons together. With the tongues up in the air. Up in the air. And they tied the tongues together, tied the wheels so they wouldn't roll up away. And they hung this guy from the wow. from the tongues of those two wagons. And they left him hanging there for several days just as kind of a warning. Maybe with the crime surge today, it wouldn't be bad to revisit some of the practices <laughs> well, long ago. Know, <laughs> they, they had their ways, and it was pretty effective. I mean, uh, they say that up where they just they hung that guy by Shoshone, that they didn't have any more trouble after that. I would imagine not. Yeah. Well, what are we going to talk about next week? Well, I don't know. I, there are some more stories about treasure up there that I could go on a little bit more about. Wow. Uh, up in that Targi area. But, uh, Do you suppose that maybe between now and next Tuesday that the Schnitzel Fluster will send us some cookies? <laughs> uh 
I wonder what they would be like when they got here. But well, if they wrap them up really good and uh, airtight and everything, and and put them in a box where they can't get crushed. In other words, I'm begging, send some cookies from Germany, (laughs) Schnitzel Fluster. (laughs) Well, that would be. You know, one of these days I got to meet this guy. You know, whether he comes here or I go to Germany. Well, there you go. Yeah. And remember, when you go to Germany, you got to raise the Stein. You said, you know, I don't drink. I know, but she might have to. You're going to probably maybe, wish you did. Maybe root beer. <laughs> okay. Root beer. Root beer. Yeah. Okay. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.